Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You are with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. Uh, the, the dust has settled, and you know, there's a little more clarity on what happened on Sunday from injuries and uh, just stuff that happened in the game. But I think before we start this podcast, I think the most fitting thing to do is to you know wish Paul Allen, the Seahawks owner, well. His non-Hodgkin's lymphoma has returned. Uh, it's the first time since uh, 2009 when it went away. But you know, we obviously want to give him well wishes and hopes hope he can uh, beat this again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's obviously true. Uh, and uh, I'm Spike Friedman, yeah. uh, the other co-host of Locked On Seahawks. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Grant and I do this three, four times a week. Uh, yeah. My voice cracked a little when I said three because, you know, we really try to do it four. And subconsciously, I don't like the idea of only doing it three. Uh, I uh, write about the Seahawks for The Stranger, among other things. Grant does social media for the Lakers SB Nation site. So he's really happy with his life right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Grant, aside from our team's owner being sick, how are you doing? Well, I'm I'm doing I'm doing fine considering. Um, still rebounding from everything that happened on Sunday, uh, from the Seahawks' devastating win to uh, the the Lakers' first preseason game with LeBron. But uh, yeah, we we had to go off script for just uh, just a minute to not get it out of the way, but make it clear that we hope that Paul Allen has a uh, safe recovery can and, and can get over this again. Uh, so bear with us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, if it's your first time listening, you're in for a treat. This is by far the most uh, optimistic and pessimistic Seahawks podcast all in one. It's it's a roller coaster ride, so it's a strap in, and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. But uh, first, we're gonna talk about uh, just an update from Pete Carroll's presser. I think that's the the best way to start things off, and they they don't know whether Earl Thomas is going to have surgery on his broken tibia. It's the same injury in the same leg, and uh, it's it's I I I think that Earl would probably lean towards the same recovery, given that he came back and made such a significant impact that maybe he don't he wouldn't want to switch it up. What do you think, Spike? I genuinely don't know, and I think we are at the point where I mean Earl Earl talked about retiring the last time he got hurt, and I don't think he's going to retire or really consider retiring again. But he could, he absolutely could. Yeah. In which case, you know, maybe he would consider surgery to really stabilize it long term. I genuinely don't know. I mean, it's it's what do you even say? Yeah, he, we know, and also the given that this is a recurrence, he might. On the one hand, surgery is per, is a more invasive procedure where there's more likely for things to go wrong. On the other hand, it's the same injury in the same place. Maybe he wants to permanently stabilize the area. So, you know, it's tough to say. It's tough to say what he's thinking of doing. Yeah, and and obviously both options are on table, but there's I don't think there's any chance he's going to try to make a return at all during the season. Like you said yesterday, it's a four oh, month yeah. injury I mean, at least, and so he you know he has both options on the table. But as far as the retirement, well, to thing, be well, hold on. To be fair, Grant, based on his injury timetable, 
if he doesn't do surgery, when the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl this year, Earl could come back and play. You know what? That's something that I hadn't considered, and <laughs> now you're the optimist on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Spike Friedman, noted Seahawks optimist. Noted Seahawks missing Earl Thomas throughout the season, optimist. Uh, that's that's the bill on Spike Friedman, but uh, you know when you talk about the retirement thing, I think a lot of it was whether you know he'd be able to come back and 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 make the same kind of impact. And we saw that he could, and we saw him stay you know mostly healthy in his you know stint between these two tibia injuries. But uh, yeah, you know, I I I think you know letting it heal on its own is on the table. Letting you know, them repair it surgically is on table, and maybe even retirement. We saw that he was unhappy, but you know, he still want he still wants to play whether it's for the Seahawks or another team. So, uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't. I think that's far less likely. But who knows with Earl? He's uh, he's a competitor, but you know, he's he's a guy that he shows you know what he's feeling. You know, and I think that's for the better. He shows what he's feeling emotionally on the field, off the field, and you're never not going to know how Earl Thomas feels. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's interesting. Cause like on the one hand, he's sort of a stoic warrior type, but on the other hand, uh, he's emotional. And so it's, he's just such an interesting guy. And, but he's not interesting the way like Bennett and Sherman were interesting because what they said was interesting. He's interesting because the dichotomy between the parts of his personality, we get to see, and the way he plays on the field, they're so different, as opposed to, like, Sherman, who's the same guy on and off the field. Uh, with Earl, there's a, there's a real difference when he's playing football and not, which, just to bring this conversation full circle, makes me think he's probably not going to retire, because there's something about playing for Earl that is that is more than I can understand as just, like, a dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I fully agree. It's just a, as a noted dude, I don't really get what's going on in Earl's head, but clearly, dude needs to play. Yeah, with with my background as a dude as well, uh, I, I think that Earl Thomas would lean towards staying on the field and and still competing, whether it's for the Seahawks or another team. But that's you know further down the road, and I'm sure we're going to receive more clarity throughout the year on the injury and on Earl's preferences. Because, like we said, you know, he's going to let us know how he feels. And I think that's, you know, great as an athlete. We don't see a lot of athletes, you know, just being that direct and clear. So, you know, having a guy like that, it's it's not the, the norm. But I, I think that, uh, I think, well, I was going to bring the Earl Thomas era full circle. But, you know, I'm going to leave that door open still, being, being an optimist. But, uh, you know, we're going to stay on the injury track. Just give a small update on Will Disley. He's going to have surgery on that uh, torn patella tendon in his knee, so uh, it's the same. It's basically the same injury Jimmy Graham had. If you need a reference, uh, but like I think it's fair to say for both of us that we're worried that he's gonna be not gonna be able to come back as the same player, and uh, it's gonna stunt his development for sure. Yeah. I mean, you never know with something with an injury this severe. You never know. Um, the hope is that he can come back, but really, the hope is that he's not living in pain for the rest. You know, like this is a rough injury, um, and so first and foremost, the hope is that he can physically recover. Uh, whether or not he can play again for the Seahawks, you know, hopefully he can because he's such a great player and he seemed to be such a valuable asset for the team. 
and really have great rapport with Russ. But, you know, first and foremost, uh, it's him getting well. Uh, so hopefully hopefully that happens. Hopefully this time next week we're talking about a successful surgery in the beginning of a long but successful rehab for him. Yeah, agreed. We see, you know, I think even more recently we've seen guys with injuries that they could potentially lose their legs. You see Teddy Bridgewater yeah. or, or Zach Miller for the Bears, not the same Zach Miller, yep. obviously. And so you, you know, I think – we're not like lucky that he tore his patella but I think that's you know lucky that he that's the extent of it, especially with these injuries coming up uh, recently, like those two that I just mentioned. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think we should take a quick break and then come back with the rest of the show. So stay tuned for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, if you are a football fan or any sports fan. You know, the Locked On Seahawks podcast recommends mybookie.ag as its premier sports betting website. You know, it's got quick, fast payouts. You know, it's important to get your money fast. You don't want it to linger around and, and wait for your money to be paid out. They, they'll get your money to you. They have live in-game betting. Everything is super easy to use, whether you're on desktop or mobile. Uh, they have a great app. They have a great interface on the app. And if you join my bookie today, they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar. And on top of that, if you use the promo code LOCKEDON25, they'll give you 25 extra dollars on top of deposits over $100 if you make the deposit after 4 p.m. Pacific time. So all you have to do is be patient and waiting for your bets. You can get a free $25 if you're willing to put over hundred dollars down it's free money it's free money to put on mybookie.ag on your favorite sports team or the team that you think has the best shot of winning so you know whether that be the seahawks or patrick mahomes and the chiefs you know my bookie is the place to put money down so remember it's the promo code locked on 25 for 25 extra dollars on deposits over 100 after 4 p.m pacific time it's mybookie.ag locked on 25 We are back with the Lockdown Seahawks podcast. You are still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman, and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about a position group that we referenced yesterday, but has largely gone, you know, not talked about for an extended period of time. We always mentioned it and, you know, talked about it in comparison to other groups on the field, but the defensive line is is such an important thing for the Seahawks. It has been such an important thing over this run over the last half decade. Uh, you have guys like Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, and more unsung guys like Tony McDaniel and Clinton McDonald. And but you know this year we've had so many departures, and the often the defensive line looks so different. Uh, you have guys you know bringing it up like Frank Clark and Jaron Reed and Nas Jones. Uh, when you're talking about continuity, but you know, there's so much, uh, so many injuries and so many different players. It's kind of been a mixed bag, and it's been off and on during out uh, during this early part of the season. But Spike, I want to know how you feel about the current state of this defensive line. Yeah, it's interesting. So through the first two weeks of the season, it looked like the Seahawks were going to have a bottom five pass rush unit in the league. Uh, the last couple of weeks, they've been more effective. Some of that is game script. They've gotten out ahead. They've put the other team in obvious passing situations and were able to exploit that, which is really nice. Uh, but 
we don't have the sort of speed rusher off the left in Cliff Averill that we did before, um, which really interesting to me. I mean, okay, so the obvious star right now, or the stars, as you mentioned, were Frank Clark, Jaron Reed. They're both getting to the passer, one from the outside, one from the inside, and providing enough disruption that quarterbacks can't get comfortable in the pocket. Josh Rosen was not able to get comfortable in the pocket against us. Now, mind you, that's going up against a pretty poor Arizona offensive line, but still, it was really important to disrupt him. And even though he looked good at times and we got lucky with a couple of drops, you're talking about holding a pretty frisky and I think Josh, I think Josh Rosen looked better than his stat line this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a pretty frisky and good quarterback and we were able to keep him from doing much against us until very late in the game. So that was good, and I think that's a credit to the pass rush. Uh, I think though the injury that we have not been talking about and like the big sort of young dude on this team where I think he could go a lot of different ways is Rasheem Green. Now, obviously, we had Michael Bennett at the three-tech. Uh, you know, it was a sort of guy who could play inside, outside, disrupt from the outside on um, rushing downs and could could break the game from the inside on passing downs. Uh, you know, masterful handwork, masterful ability to work with his teammates to get around uh, protection schemes. So replacing Michael Bennett is hard. And the hope is that Rasheem Green can do it. Obviously, we spent a lot of draft capital on Malik McDowell, and that did not work. But Green is has the physical capabilities to do what Bennett can do. We saw that in the preseason, and we haven't seen it much in the regular season. Now, those first couple games, again, he was going up against some better lines. We just weren't getting into obvious crush-the-bastard situations. And then he sprained his ankle. And I think that this little ankle injury from Rasheem Green He's got to get right, because I think that more important than him executing this year is him developing this year, him learning from on-the-field action. And it sounds from Pete Carroll's presser that we're probably missing him through the bye, and that's a bummer because we need him. He's young. He's raw. That was the knock on him coming out of the draft. Nothing about his physical skills or even his mental skills. He's got really good hand fighting. He's got a lot of really good technique he can bring to the table. So with Green... He needs to get on the field if this pass rush unit is going to become a league average pass rush unit this year. And assuming that, you know, the reason we weren't signing Earl Thomas is because we're going to break the bank for Frank Clark. You know, you have that continuity there. You have Jaron Reed. You have Green potentially filling a role. And then you have us grabbing like one more guy. And all of a sudden we're back to having a good pass rush unit as opposed to what we got now, which is not what we're used to. Yeah, I think definitely them hitting on a draft pick in Rasheem Green just makes it that much easier. Um, especially with, you know, them, you know, having the loss of Earl Thomas, you need that disruption up front to make things yeah. easier on that, def- on that, uh, secondary, uh, that defensive backfield. So I think it's, that's largely important for the Seahawks. It's largely important for Green, especially, you know, you don't want an ankle injury, you know, reoccurring as a defensive lineman, especially a guy, you know, who's athletic enough. We've seen him bend the edge a little bit, uh, make, uh, get some leverage and, and, and turn on that ankle and be able to, you know, make quick movements. And so I think that, you know, getting that injury right is important and getting on the field, like you said, you know, that experience is invaluable. Uh, he's a, a young, young guy. He's really raw, uh, went to USC and had a productive year and, um, 
Yeah, I think that, you know, having this NFL experience, we've seen, you know, him have that fast start in the preseason and then kind of fizzle out. You know, that's how it goes a lot of the time for a lot of rookie players. You know, they make an impact and then, you know, they, they're they a little more quiet throughout the next few weeks. Uh, we saw that just earlier in the preseason in contrast to the regular season uh, for like bigger names. But, you know, Green being that you know, versatile defender obviously makes it easier for the Seahawks. It's, you know, a, one less draft pick they have to make, uh, one less guy they have to bring in uh, off the street and free agency. And so it makes it a lot easier from, you know, a, a roster building standpoint, a cap standpoint. Uh, so I think that, you know, they have to be careful with him, with bringing him back and not rushing him. So I think the buy is good to, you know, have, for his injury, obviously, you want to buy a little later in the year uh, in most scenarios. But, you know, he's a he's a guy that's going to need to be healthy to get on the field, especially if this team is going to have an emphasis on the young guys going forward. Yeah, um, and one last thing before we wrap up the defensive line talk, and I think we're going to talk about Rashad Penny a little after the break. But, man, Harold Landry looks good, yeah. and I wish we had drafted him. And that isn't a knock on Green, but we are missing both Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. And even if Green steps up, we're still hunting for that speed guy. Landry looks like that right now, and it makes me jealous because I wish that we had spent the draft capital we'd spent on the running back position on that sort of speed replacement for Cliff Averill. We should have known Cliff wasn't coming back. Um also, Cliff Averill is amazing. Can we? Do, I feel like Cliff Averill is underrated by the world. Like, obviously, Seahawks fans know how amazing Cliff Averill was. Um, but he's amazing in every way. And I feel like because of all the guys who left this offseason, and I, I mentioned this before, but I think his is the most underrated departure on the field uh, just because speed rush is so important and we haven't replaced it. But off the field, too, man, he's still doing his foundation work. He's on Twitter talking about Earl Thomas and really intelligent. Like, he's so awesome. I like him so much as both a guy on and off the field. I wish he were still on the team, but I love that he's still a part of the community. Yeah. So, you know, just wanted to take a second while we're talking D-line to shout out Cliff Averill for being amazing. Yeah, there's never a bad time to shout out Cliff Averill. So, like... You know, he That's always, thought, yeah, yeah, he he always came up huge for the Seahawks when they needed him to, and he's coming up huge from an analysis standpoint. He's a really informed guy, like you said. He's around the team. He knows what's going on. He knows the roster. It's kind of like the situation where Michael Robinson retired, and yeah. he, he went to NFL Network, and he was able to provide a lot of insight on you know situations with Marshawn Lynch and Cam Chancellor. Uh, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, anybody who was in the news, you know, Mar- Michael Robinson was in the know. And I think we're seeing that, you know, again with Cliff Averill and him moving to uh, sports radio and you know, still being connected with the team. So it's it's great to have a guy like Cliff and a guy like Michael Rob. We could always shout out Michael Robinson, Mike Rob, uh, always holding it down for the Seahawks. And so I think we're lucky to have the- both those guys in the in the media today. Absolutely. All right, and 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 staying in the in the backfield, you know, off Michael Robinson, we're gonna keep it on uh, keep conversation on the running backs, specifically Rashad Penny, because Pete Carroll said that he's going to stay in the kickoff returner role, and I think that's for a couple reasons. Uh, one, Pete liked the way he returned the ball. I wasn't a huge fan of the way he returned the ball, but Arizona was kicking it short and forcing him to return it, and 
Now the Seahawks receiver group needs Tyler Lockett to be, you know, fully there uh, on every snap they play. So uh, I, I I get the move. Uh, the receiver group is kind of starved for talent right now. Doug Baldwin's still getting back. Brandon Marshall can't catch a pass. Uh, Will Disley's out for the year. So yeah, I I understand the move. I I don't know if there's a better option uh, than than Penny. Maybe you would see David Moore. You bring back Cyril Grayson. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation, but I understand why it's happening. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when I first heard this, I was like, wait, why are we spending so much on Tyler Lockett? And part of it is because he can return kicks. But you're right. Like, we cannot afford to lose Tyler Lockett right now, putting him into the car crash situation that is kick returns. I mean, if he goes down, our receiving core is bleak. It is. I mean, it goes from not good to Buffalo Bills and you don't want to go to Buffalo Bills. You don't. You don't. Fortunately, we don't have Josh Allen as our quarterback. Shouts to Josh Allen crashing back to earth this week. He had some of the worst throws I've ever seen. It is crazy how hot and cold he is. Um, But setting aside, this is not going to become a Buffalo Bills podcast. I just saw some stuff that was dark. Um, But, uh, yeah, with Penny... Man, do I like that pick more if it's a second rounder. It's I'm never going to get over it. I'm trying to get over it because he did like he did positive things last week. I mean, obviously Mike Davis was the star, 100-yard rushing game making guys miss. Penny looked you saw why they liked him last week yeah. for the first time since he's been with the Seahawks. He made guys miss and when he bent the corner it looked really good. Some of the play constructions that led to that were like, oh. Really? Like, and that's to be expected. Off. Yeah, that's that Brian Schottenheimer life for living. That is our life forever now. Uh, Shout-outs to being forever Schottenheimer. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, as much as it's a th- – this is this speaks to the relative strengths of the running back room and the wide receiver room. It's, it's been a first-round pick on a running back, and we're using him to return kicks. Come on. Like, oh, but it's its own cost. I have to get over it. Grant, I have to get over it. I'm sorry to harp on this, guys. I know you're sick of me saying it, but it's also true, and we need to remember the truth. So, yeah, I mean, and, and we can't we can't account for, you know, injuries that are going to happen in the next year. Uh, but you know, when we talk about this receiver group, too, you know, Calvin Ridley's tearing it up in Atlanta. Like, he yeah, is... Yeah, that's another guy who we did not draft. Yeah, no, the, the long list of guys. But, uh, you know, we talked about Harold Landry. Like, he was a projected first-round pick. Like, if they spent the first-round pick on Harold Landry, that's, you know, understandable. And, you know, you know what? If if he can return to form, and I'm talking about Rashad Penny, uh, this offensive line gives him room to run. We'll see a little bit more like this Arizona game. We'll see. He looked like the San Diego State Rashad Penny, except that like, he didn't have large holes to run through every time and and he didn't have this head of steam so he had to make guys miss he had that shiftiness that he was built with but yeah it's uh it's a head scratcher still given the performance of chris carson given the performance of mike davis and in comparison to penny this season especially with this arizona game so uh yeah it's confusing and maybe the team just wants to utilize him in some capacity uh, with the kickoff returns, he did it well at, at San Diego State, and and Pete probably wants to you know get him going with this team in one shape or form, uh, one way, shape or form. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I think that's it. I think it's a good point. Like, we also got to get him on the field. Yeah. Uh, and he ain't on the field right now. And so, you know, you got to get him on the field. I agree. That's uh, that's one thing that's uh, it's from Rashim Green to Rashad Penny. Uh, you got to get on the field. So I think that does it for this portion of the show. We'll come back with the the end. We're gonna you know bring up uh, something that's reared its ugly head throughout the last couple seasons. But we'll talk about it after the break. So stay tuned for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes? You know when it it's comes. It's crazy. It's crazy, and especially when it comes to kids, because they're always growing out of it. You're always buying new clothes. You spend tons of money because they always want you know brand names like J. Crew, Lululemon, Nike, Carter's for babies, Gap, and you know where my kids you know, want Lululemon. Yeah, you know kids have expensive tastes. They don't understand the concept of you know spending a lot of money on clothes. They see something they like. They want it. So, Spike, you know where we can get, you know, really nice brand name clothes that are lightly used online? Swap.com? Swap.com. It's the largest online consignment and thrift store. You don't have to go to these places like the Goodwill or Salvation Army and sift through these racks of unwashed clothes uh, that have been worn tons of times. You know, you don't know where they've been. You have to go through racks. You have to go through bins, uh, piles of clothes. It'll save you time. It'll save you effort. And it's going to save you money. There are <laughs> there are lots of thrift stores. You know, you can go around your city and find a bunch of them. But Swap.com is the largest one online. And you can save up to 90% off these retail prices of these brands like Lululemon or Nike. It's quality hand-inspected items, and if something doesn't fit, you can enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. And so, Locked on Seahawks listeners, we have got a blockbuster deal for you. Now, this is the biggest deal that I think we've had for you know any promo. It's 35% off select items with your first order on Swap.com with the promo code Locked On. You got to use the promo code Locked On to get 35% off your first order you you sign up for emails with these places and you get 10% off your deal or you know whatever it may be this is 35% off 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 brands that are you know name brands Nike Lululemon you can get clothes for your your baby or your friend's baby or you know whoever's baby with Carter's and put your baby in Lululemon Lululemon baby <laughs> this is something that needs to happen with swap.com promo code lockdown for 35% off your first order. Go ahead, use that swap.com. Swap.com. Welcome back to the final portion of today's episode of the Lockdown Seahawks podcast. You're still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman and I uh kind of reference what we're going to talk about and if you can you can guess uh, when I said reared its ugly head over the last couple seasons, I'm talking about the kicking game. Uh, coincidentally, <sighs> it's the reason... I forgot that's what you were referring to. Oh, God, that's right. We have to talk about kicking. Ugh. Yeah, but uh, it's kidding. funny because it's the reason the Seahawks should have won comfortably. It's the reason that the Seahawks won on Sunday. Uh, but I don't think Sebastian Janikowski is going to cut it throughout the year. 
I, I think that, especially with the loss of Earl Thomas, the Seahawks are going to need all the points they can get. This team has shown a reluctancy to go for it on fourth down in situations that call for it. And, you know, Sebastian Janikowski isn't the kicker that he was throughout his whole career. He's always been that long ball kicker. He nailed the 52-yarder to win the game, but he missed from 56. He missed from 38. He had the injury uh, going back to a couple seasons ago or last season. And I just think that his time, he's just been passed up in the league, and they should be bringing in a bunch of different young kickers and – you know, kicking, no pun intended, but kicking the tires on them and, and seeing, you know, who gives them the best shot because they cannot leave points on the board. I don't, I do not think that this Seahawks team is going to tank, tank it out with Earl Thomas gone, but uh, they're definitely going to need to score all the points they can uh, to compete with these teams, whether that be getting three points in contrast to the other team's seven, you know, staying on the board, staying competitive is always something that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the offense have tried to do. But uh, with kickers like Blair Walsh last year and a kicker like Sebastian Janikowski, who's been anything but consistent for them, you know, they're going to need to uh, bring in some new names. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if they're going to, though. I mean, they guaranteed money to Janikowski. Oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to, but oh, I think yeah. they need to. Yeah, I don't get what was better about Janikowski than Jason Myers, but, I mean, it's been three, four years since Janikowski was even a league average kicker. Oh, this sucks. Um, I wish that we had a better answer at kicker. Um, But there might be something... Who, oh, Michael, Michael Dixon drop kicks? Yeah, I, I think we, yeah. they, we got unfairly teased about that. And then... Uh, we saw a drop kick from the kickoff, but I think we still need to see it in the game when you're putting points on the board. Yeah. Uh, I think Michael – so here – oh, God, I hate to say this. Michael Dixon has been punting fine. He's been punting fine. He's a, he's. We're seeing the flashes of brilliance, and when he misses – he's only had one really bad punt. Um, but otherwise, we've seen him be like 50-50 between like league average punt and excellent punt, which means he's above average, but he's not – He's not better than Johnny Hecker yet, and so I need him to focus on being better than Johnny Hecker immediately because I'm sick of the Rams being better than us in every way, and we need to at least be better at punting, Um, which is just to say I don't want him to be distracted from the task at hand, which is becoming the LeBron James of punters. Um, So if dropkicking is going to get in the way of that, I can't have it. That said... You know, obviously, I want him drop kicking. That's so much cooler than Sebastian Janikowski missing kicks. And can I also say that blaming Michael Dixon for Sebastian Janikowski missing kicks lose me with that? I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Uh, Sean, who we had, Sean Clement, who we had on the podcast earlier this year to talk Michael Dixon, broke down all of Janikowski's misses, all two of them, and uh, broke down the holds. Holds were clean. Yeah, okay, this is not an Ace Ventura situation. The laces were out. The ball was upright. It was down in time. This was not Michael Dixon's fault. Stop blaming Dixon, Mark Slareth. I will come after you. And yeah, you're a big man. You were a professional NFL player. But I can beat up Dick Stockton probably. He's old. He's <laughs> weak. He's people. And I'll beat him in front of uh, you, Mark. So 
you know, I, is, deal wait, so, with that. So, so let me get your plan straight. It's to beat up Dick, to- <laughs> Dick Stockton so bad that Mark Slareth just wants no piece of you. Yes, exactly. All right, that I just wanted to make sure, my plan. make sure we're on the same page over here. You know, I, if you need backup, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, I'll, I'll have your back. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's unfair. You got to leave Michael Dixon alone. Let him focus on the punting. Mike Mark Slareth, he's doing the holds just fine. And if it has to come to it, you know, I'm I'm sure he'll send you know a rocket on a drop kick through the post to put some points up on the board if he has to. Uh, I think that I think that with this team, we've seen them be competitive and lose out in the playoffs. You know. Due to some points in the season, due to kicking, and you know we've seen them lose out on putting points on the board and and sacrificing having the Arizona Cardinals come back on them uh, because points were left off the board uh, because of kicking. So you know this is just something that I'm kind of fed up with, and I think that you know there's there's no reason to guarantee money to Sebastian Janikowski in 2018. So uh, this comes down to a bad, you know, roster choice. It comes back. It comes down to you know bad cap choice. But you know, who am I to uh, say how to build a roster? Yeah, who are you? You're the host of Locked On CX podcast, so you're somebody. I'm 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 on my way to being some. This is on this is on their way to. Uh, you know, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone to becoming an NFL GM one day. If this is, you know, if this is where the conversation's going. <laughs> I believe in you. All right, thanks. So, yeah, I think it goes both ways. I'll I'll have your back when you beat up Dick Stockton and maybe Mark Schlereth, and then you'll vouch for me as an NFL GM. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, and so I think that does it for today's episode of the Locked On Beat Up Dick Stockton Shaking Mark Schlereth <laughs> So Bad That He Wants to Know Part of Spike Friedman podcast uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, so if you enjoy the show, uh, we would be super grateful if you'd go to iTunes and leave a five-star review letting us know that you enjoy the show. If it's your first time listening, hopefully you liked it and you come back for more great Seahawks content from the punting game to the kicking game to you know injuries everywhere on the field game. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy the show. Hopefully you come back. We definitely appreciate you listening. Uh, there's a bunch of great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You have Locked On NFL with tons of great guests. Sage Rosenfels, as Spike always says, is killing it as a guest on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Uh, if you want to know more about guys, we talked about them adding a guy through the draft on the defensive line. Locked On NFL Draft, it's a great show. It's I think it's number one on the NFL network on the locked on network so definitely listen to that uh yeah and, and just listen to we have a bunch of college podcasts coming out so definitely listen to those there I, I feel like there's a new one seemingly every week right spike yeah yeah i don't i still i don't i actually didn't check if there's locked on huskies yet i don't think there is we got to get locked on huskies come on who am i who do i have to make who do I have to fight to make that happen? Is it Dick Stockton? Because I'm going to beat him up. I don't care. I don't care who I have to fight. I'm going to beat up Dick Stockton to make Locked On Huskies a thing. Whatever it takes for me to beat up Dick Stockton, I will do it. 
I think that, you know, hey, if you have to beat him up to make that happen, it's a classic two birds, one stone situation. <laughs> so if you can beat him up and get locked on Huskies happening and also shake up Mark Schler was he so rooting bad. against us this week? Was that just me? It felt like he was rooting against the Seahawks. I think he's still, week. like, I'm... holding Super Bowl Forty Eight against the Seahawks. Uh, from well, them. that's Schlereth is, but what is Dick Stockton's deal? Oh. What is Dick? You know what I mean? I I think like like he's just so disgusted with the team's performance over this year compared <laughs> to totally uh, fair. Actually, he, Dick, Dick Stockton, you're cool with me. Dick Stockton, <laughs> I called so many Seahawks games seemingly over the last few years. I've I've been a NFL Sunday ticket owner over the last few seasons, and Dick Stockton has called way too many Seahawks games. So, yeah, maybe he's just displeased with the way they're performing. But anyway, he's going to get beat up. <laughs> Dick Stockton, if you're listening. <laughs> Catch these hands, Dick Stockton. Catch these hands. Sleep with, sleep with one eye open, Dick Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does All right, it. Off the I, I think that does it for today's show. So, for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman, also signing off.